Ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to listen to is an experiment in sound. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Madcap. I'm David Ross. And I'm Daniel Bloom. Here at Madcap, we strive to provide our audience with timely and relevant content to the world around us. And this being Black History Month, the idea was raised to do a show in its honor. But we were conflicted. For one, my Harriet Tubman impression is a a little rusty. My Marcus Garvey is a little bit more spot on. But most importantly, I consider the merits of designating a single month for black history a little shaky. On one hand, there are many black figures like W.E.B. Du Bois, Malcolm X, and Zora Neale Hurston who are well-deserving of the extra attention they get during the month of February. But on the other, sectioning off a particular month to honor black history may justify the relative lack of study during the rest of the year. Also, as Chris Rock once pointed out, it's the shortest month of the year, and it's also the coldest month of the year. Just in case we wanted to have a parade. My skin is black, but that's no reason to hold me back. Why don't you think about it, 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 think about it. This is a message, a message to y'all. Together we stand, divided we fall. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop me now. Also, why does it have to be Black History Month? What about Black Present Month? Or perish the thought, Black Future Month? Ever notice the relative dearth of pigmentation in science fiction? We do, and it's fucked up. For every Geordie LaForge or Lieutenant Uhura, there are about 12 nameless Caucasians working white-collar jobs on those spaceships. The final frontier is in desperate need of some purposeful miscegenation. Do you think so, David? I'd absolutely agree. (laughs) Here at Madcap, we make it our business to honor all creators irrespective of skin color, national background, gender, or sexual orientation. But despite our misgivings about Black History Month, we are going to discuss one of the baddest black characters on television today, Black Dynamite. Show enough dynamite. Dynamite. first graced with the presence of Carl Jones, creator and executive producer of the cartoon show Black Dynamite in November of 2012, after the successful first season on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. The television series Black Dynamite is based off of the 2009 blaxploitation parody film of the same title, directed by Scott Sanders. 
When presented with another chance to speak with Mr. Jones, we obviously jumped at it, and he generously gave us some time earlier this week during the production of Black Dynamite's second season, which will premiere this summer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a elaborate episode of Madcap. I'm David Ross. And I'm Daniel Bloom. And our lovely guest is Carl Jones, creator and executive producer of Black Dynamite. Did you say lovely? He did say lovely. Yes, David. Did I say okay. our lovely guest? I mean, is that okay? <laughs> yeah, I, was just, I just needed to pause you, that's all. <laughs> pause. Pause? Pause what? You said something gay, so you gotta say no homo, or else you the homo. What did I say gay? You said you was gonna give this dude everything you got, no homo. That's not gay. I said I was gonna give the man everything I got. Pause, granddad. If it sound gay, it's gay, and you gotta say no homo. How I know you're not a homo, granddad, if you don't say no homo? I'm not saying no homo. Okay, you wanna be a homo. Stop calling your granddaddy a homo. Then say no homo. I don't wanna say no homo. I'm a homo your ass, you don't stop saying pause. Pause. Carl was also a writer, producer, and performer on one of our favorite shows of all time, Aaron Magruder's The Boondocks. How do you think the two shows differ, Boondocks and Black Dynamite? I think they differ a lot, man. Um, I mean, they're obviously two different shows, but I feel like the thing that, um, aside from it being a show with predominantly black people in it. Hmm. I, I think I think the one thing that that is kind of that kind of connects the two is I, I I go back to the honesty of it. Like I feel like you know at the end of the day, all of these shows are vehicles for you to say something, you know. And and, and so there's an opportunity in Black Dynamite that we didn't have in Boondocks because our hindsight being 2020, we can tell our story of how something became what we all know it as today. We can do an episode about Bill Cosby and kind of give like this really insane backstory of how he became who he is because we're actually in the 70s so it's not like a flashback like this is this is how Richard Pryor became who you know as Richard Pryor and this is and this is what happened with a certain incident that might have took place in the 70s like we got an episode I don't even know how much I can get I'll tell you we, <laughs> We, we, but we, we, we got, we got an episode that, that's, um, that's, I, I, you know, I'll try, I'll go ahead and say it. We got an episode called Roots, the White Album. And basically, um, <laughs> the episode is, it's the first Black History Month. We see, uh, Roots for the first time. Everyone's watching Roots for the first time at Roscoe's. And <laughs> this is the very first time that they realized how fucked up it was. So when they, when they realized how fucked up slavery was, they get upset. And Al Sharpton gets the whole black community together. And they go to Beverly Hills and start kidnapping white people <laughs> and, and enslaving them in the black community. <laughs> That's amazing. Were these were these whites were these, these were these whites conned? Uh, were they told that they'd be taken to a better situation, or did you tell them, "Oh, we're enslaving you"? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Did you? No, nah, did... <laughs> nah, it's just straight up kidnapping. Like, you know the way, the, the way it's usually done. You know, you just... <laughs> okay, the real way. The real way. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. we can appreciate that. You all are still uh, creating second season, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like we're like in the middle of production right now. What have you learned from the first season? I learned that I'm insane for 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 doing this shit over and over again. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, every show is different, and, and and you know, it's it's a unique experience. And what every show needs something different to kind of demand something different. And we're always kind of experimenting and trying to find like the right combinations to make the show, you know, a success. So. 
I mean, the first season was was I thought was pretty good, but you know we we were met with a lot of challenges, and and um you know we we a lot has changed since the first season. Like, you know, we did the first season at um at Tipmouse Animation, and now we're at Cartoon Network Studios. We kind of got the same core group of creative talent, I guess you could say, um from from the pre-production uh, stage, but. We're not working with the same overseas studios, so that's changed. We got we got a new overseas studio we're working with, and so um, you know, I mean, it's it's all trial and error. Like you, you kind of get a sense of of what works and what 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 doesn't work, and you know, hopefully the second season is is going to be better. You know, I think I think you guys will get a kick out of it. Isn't the Boondocks com- coming back? Yeah, yeah, Boondocks is coming back, but I got I got to give a disclosure, man. Like I didn't produce this last season. Okay. The fourth season, you know, um, and, and I, you know, I still like on Twitter and stuff. Like I still promote it and push and stuff like that. But, um, I, I didn't. Uh, I, I was so busy with 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 you know with Black Dynamite and some other things. I, I did. I, I um, I didn't have any. I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. Didn't produce it at all. I have to say that. You know right. what I'm saying? So I don't know exactly. You know what you're going to get. All right. So so there's no return of Thugnificent. Nope. What's good with your planet Earth? This your boy Thug Neverson representing Terra Bell, Georgia. You know what I'm saying? Lethal interjection moving next to your home. Check the chain, nigga. I know y'all love my music and love my videos and shit. But be fully prepared and drink hella haterade, nigga. Because y'all about to see how good it is to be me and how bad it is to be you. We got plenty of hoes spinning. We got 24 spinning. It's Thug Neverson's crib, nigga. Let's roll. How does Carl Jones clear his mind? During periods when 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 things can get a little stressful during the creation of this of this show. Oh man, dude, I'm I'm um. Let me see what I, what do I do, man. What's my I guess uh, uh I don't I don't have a lot of vices, but you know I I, I watch a lot. <laughs> this is gonna, I watch I there's I don't watch much TV, but I, I usually uh, watch a couple of shows that I really really like, and it kind of just relaxes me and kind of takes me away from the show. With the, I mean from, from Black Dynamite a little bit, like. I watch a lot of The Office. Like I watch like all these the, the the whole run. You know, I watch over and over and over again. I just I'm just a huge fan of The Office. Seven out of ten attacks are from the rear. Okay, well that still leaves a thirty percent chance that I'll attack you from the front. Uh, yeah, but it'll be easier to stop. I can always block the blow. Or I can counter it. With... And I love Danny McBride. So like I watch a lot of um like I watch Foot Fist Way, the independent movie he did, and and I watch Eastbound and Down like over and over and over again like so you double retired <laughs> really <laughs> can you feel the tension in the air right now i know i can i can feel it all the way down in my plums getting all swollen with a light blue hue to them fresh and juicy ready for the picking all the school children are lining up to put them in the sack lunches hey that plum looks good. Can I trade it for your Twinkie? No, these are my plums. I want to bite into that plum and let the juice spill down my chin. I guess my, my escape or my vice or the way that I deal with, you know, or kind of, I guess, get away from a lot of the, uh, the pressures of making the show is just watching some of the shit that I find funny, you know. And I like a lot of Richard Pryor stuff. I watch a lot of old Richard Pryor stuff like Bustin' Loose, a lot of his stand-up. Uh, I watch a lot of Sanford and Sons, you know. A lot of old stuff, man. Old, old funny shit. This is Madcap, the anti-Black History Month episode, and we're speaking with Carl Jones, creator and executive producer of Black Dynamite.
Let's talk about Richard Pryor. Walk us through what it is that you really enjoy about Richard Pryor. Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things, but I think I think Richard Pryor was probably one of the best storytellers that I think America has ever seen. Not not even just for a black comic. I think he was just like one. Of, he's just a master. He's just a brilliant storyteller because you know he he. he in my opinion, he, he, he paints with words. Like, he'll, he'll take you through an experience that he had, and you will relive it with him. And, and the other thing is, he tells stories that are sometimes at his own expense. And I think we haven't really seen uh, many comedians that were so good at exposing their pain the way that he does. I mean, you have Kevin Hart now, which is, which is you know, it's kind of funny because for a long time, you didn't see a lot of comics doing that. Like, if you look at when, after Richard, you know, Eddie Murphy stepped on the scene, and Eddie did not play the victim. Like, if you ever see any, you know, if you look at all of Eddie's movies and his stand-up, you know, Eddie was like the hero, and he was always kind of cool with his shit, and he would go into different characters or personalities in order to kind of hustle people or get by, but he was never the guy that was, was, was playing the victim. And I think, you know, Richard was so good at doing that. Living in a neighborhood, a lot of whorehouses was in my neighborhood. That uh, was our economy. That's where I first met white people. Yeah. I could have had prejudice too if I hadn't got to meet white people. I could have grown up be ignorant and prejudiced. Not me, boy. No, I learned from myself what people were like. Cause I met some nice white dudes. You know, they used to come down. Hello, little boy. Is your mother home? I'd like a blowjob. I wonder what would happen if niggas go through Beverly Hills doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Say, man, is your mama home? Tell the bitch I want to fuck. They got, um, I'll, I'll see. <laughs> she said you'll have to come back after lunch. And not, not only playing the victim, so that you know, he created a lot of empathy and and and, and um uh you know sympathy for for his character. But he was also really brilliant at at doing a lot with his face. You mm -hmm. know, if you ever watch a lot of old Richard Pryor movies, you can turn the sound down and you'll laugh just because he translates so much through his face and through his expressions. I mean, I could go on and on. There's just so many things he does right. So when I watch when I watch a lot of old Richard Pryor stuff, I pay attention to his performance. You know, his rhythm, his storytelling. You know, the timing, and the, the thing about it is it's all innate. Like, none of this stuff you can teach. It's just something that kind of comes naturally. I mean, you, most of the, the funniest people I know don't even work in this business. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's just something that they do naturally. It's not even for money. They just can't help it, <laughs> you hmm. know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, but I could go on and on and on with Richard Pryor. One thing that you hit on is his honesty, and I think it's interesting how the audience is willing to give the speaker or the storyteller a pass on almost any kind of behavior that they engage in as long as they're honest about it and self-deprecating. And what I'm thinking about is like the Richard Pryor routine when he talks about lighting himself on fire smoking crack. I mean, who else, yeah. who else is going to go that far and be that raw in terms of their own life? But still the audience is all sitting there laughing along with him. Not many. I was in the hospital. I had tubes and shit in my nose. Ivy in my arm, steam was coming off my body. Brother come in, want an autograph. Come on, hey, Rich. Hey, bro. Say, Red. 
How about this last autograph? But I thank God. I do. I say, thank you, God, for not burning my dick. <laughs> because people, a lot of people, strange people said, God was punishing you. No. If God wanted to punish my ass, he would have burnt my dick. When the fire hit, my dick went to work. I said, emergency! Piss, come, do something! Don't let the fire get to the balls! I think after Eddie, there was like a wave of black comics that were trying to basically do what he did. But, and what I mean is, like, there's a wave of black comics that were trying to be funny but also be cool at the same time. It takes a very, very special personality to pull that off. The other thing is, like, just the hip-hop culture kind of changed things with comics. Like, when you watch Cat Williams, like, Cat, you know, he's like, I'm a pimp. I'll fuck you up, nigga, you bitch-ass motherfucker. Like, he's talking <laughs> shit. And he's not, he's never, he never plays the victim. He always is a pimp. You know what I'm saying? And and I think just kind of like that the attitude that kind of translates through, translates through the culture of hip-hop is now, like, in most comics. Like, you know, they don't want to, they don't, like, even if you look at, like, Bernie Mac, you know, Bernie Mac talks shit. He was never, he never played a victim. You know what I'm saying? You, um, you look at, um, even, even, uh, Chris Tucker. You know, when, when Chris Tucker was on Friday, like, he was a shit talking, weed smoking, you know what I'm saying? He yeah. was hip hop. You know, so, so, I, I think just with the influence of hip hop culture, like, it, you, you just, it, it just goes against everything that hip hop represents for you to play a victim. You know, and, and I'm not saying that's the only source of comedy, but what I am saying is that I think that when a character is able to, kind of show his vulnerable side, you know, then it, he, he becomes a lot more endearing. And I think you, you, you care for him and you, and you, you ride with him a little, a little more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think comedy is only at its most genuine when, you're allowing, when you allow yourself to be self-deprecating. So I, I, that's why I think when it's actually genuine and actually real. Right. So, so I agree. What is your favorite Richard Pryor special? Oh, man. I mean, all of them, man. I mean... I probably, I guess, live on the Sunset Strip. Bicentennial niggas, you know, Bicentennial niggas, probably my favorite one. They're having a Bicentennial, two hundred years. Gonna have Bicentennial nigga. <laughs> they will. They have some nigga two hundred years old in blackface, with stars and stripes on his forehead, eyes, lips just a chat. <laughs> And he'll have that lovely white folks expression on his face. But he's happy. He's happy because he's been here 200 years. And <laughs> I'm just so thrilled to be here. <laughs> Over here in America, I'm so glad y'all took me out of die, homie. <laughs> I used to live to be 150. Now I die of high blood pressure by the time I'm 52. <laughs> and that thrills me to death. <laughs> I'm just so pleased America's gonna last. They brought me over here in a boat. There's 400 of us come over here. 360 of us died on the way over here. I love that. That just thrilled me so. I don't know, you white folks are just so good to us. Got over here, another 20 of us died from disease. 
Ah, but you didn't have no doctors to take care of us. I'm so sorry you didn't. <laughs> Upset you awesome too, didn't it? <laughs> then they split us all up. <laughs> yes, sir, we <laughs> took my mom over that way, took my wife that way, took my kids over yonder. <laughs> I'm just so happy. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do if I don't get 200 more years of this. <laughs> Lord of mercy. Yes, sir, I don't know where my old mama is now. <laughs> she up yonder in that big white folks in the sky. <laughs> Y'all probably don't forgot about it. <laughs> but I ain't going to never forget it. I mean, all of them are golden, man. <laughs> you know, he's just he's just one of them guys, man. Um, I really was a big fan of the show. Um, he, he had a he had a uh, sketch show. A lot of people don't even know this because he had, he had a sketch show that got canceled after six episodes. With Paul Paul Mooney and, was writing for it, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Paul Mooney, man. John Witherspoon. Um, Robin Williams was on it. I mean, he had a lot of... He had some real heavy hitters, man. He had some, he had some heavy hitters on that show. He did some very, very, very smart, edgy, irreverent stuff. Like, you know, I remember he did this one sketch where uh, he was, <laughs> he was with these, um, with this team of, of um, um, uh, I don't know. He's, he's, he, I think it was like um, excavate. What do you call it? Excavationists. What do you call it? The people that like travel and dig up shit, like the archae- oh, wait, archaeologists. Oh, archaeologists. All right. No, the archaeologists. So yeah. he's with these white archaeologists, right? And they, and they found their way into this pyramid, right? And and so the, <laughs> they got to the pyramid and they started looking through all these like ancient books, and they were looking at you know all, all the all the jewels and the riches and stuff. And then he came across this information that was basically saying that black people did all of this shit, right? <laughs> so <laughs> Richard, Richard, Richard is reading this stuff, right? And he's like blown away, like, oh my God, we built this and we created music and we created art and science and this kind of thing. And so the white guys start slowly backing out of the pyramid and they close him in it <laughs> <laughs> and lock him away forever. <laughs> so nobody knows. <laughs> That's why you Yeah, get... yeah, you know. So, so like, like, like that kind of stuff is what, is what like really excites me, man. In the beginning when man arrived on Earth, the black gods did leave their spacecraft and they walked and they named the beast of the sea and the animals of the land and man in his blackness did walk the earth making medicine medicine they discovered type these were all black people got down wait a minute this ain't there ain't nothing in here about white this is ours Jack. wait till the brothers hear this Puna. I'm gonna get this book out of here baby this tells me real team Puna and this Get the bulldozers, there's nothing here. But, 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 Shut up! Good heavens, time for tea, eh? What? When you guys portrayed Richard Pryor last season, you put him in a place called the Horphanage. And that, yeah. that blew my mind for a couple reasons, one of which is people who know and love Richard Pryor know that he was raised in a brothel. Right, right. Talk about that decision and what it was like in the writer's room coming up with that idea. You know what that, that episode I did started? When we were, um, 
I was actually told the story, um, and I think I think it was Michael J. White that told me how um, Richard had this idea of, of like starting this this company with Jim Brown, and, and and basically like creating this black Hollywood company where you know because he was at the peak of his career and he wanted to do you know he wanted to do stuff that was in the vein of the stuff he'd been doing, but that was employing black people and and, and telling black stories, right? Mm-hmm. So. He called this big party, and he was going to announce to everybody, all his close friends and everyone, that he was starting this company. And so he got everybody together, and when he started telling people his plans, like, they started laughing. Like, like they, they literally thought it was a joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the more he went on, the more they laughed. And, 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 and the way the story was told to me was, like, he was really kind of heartbroken by that. Like, he was kind of hurt. And at that point, he didn't even think it was even worth it or that it was possible because, you know, it kind of took the air out of his, out of his sails. So... When I heard that story, I just thought it would be really interesting if Richard really didn't want to be laughed at. Like, what if he actually? Because when you listen to you listen to his jokes, man, Richard Richard was deep. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you listen to a lot of the stuff he talked about, he was, you know, he's a pretty brilliant mind, man. And and, he, and it, just his observation of the world and stuff he would he would talk about um, was, was really 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 thought provoking material. So I just thought it'd be interesting if if you know he he got with a guy who. Number one doesn't understand comedy, like you know, Black Dynamite. Who doesn't understand comedy? Who doesn't understand laughter? <laughs> no, none of that shit. And, and was kind of tied to him in some kind of way. And Richard having to learn that it is a gift that he has to make people laugh and to use it in the right way. You know what I'm saying? And and and, and Black Dynamite also learned something from Richard that sometimes shit is funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because Black Dynamite didn't understand the concept of comedy. Pause and orphans under one roof. <laughs> Whose idea was this anyway? Mine. Ma'am, did you actually think about this before you put the children and the within distance of each other? Mm-mm. Hey, little kids, I'm Black Dynamite. I know y'all ain't got no pants. So how about I replace them with a lifetime supply of That is not what I silently said to myself inside my head. You may not find him funny, but you're about to all your money. Look here, Mr. Comedy Man. Now, I don't get you or your comedy jokes or comedy in general. But what I am going to get is you to the Sunset Strip so I can pay my damn taxes. Can you dig it? As a matter of fact, here goes a package from the IRS right now. IRS? No! Looks like I need to get the up out of here. <laughs> Let's go get something to eat before Black Dynamite kills us with his back taxes. That's kind of how it came about. From there, like, that was, because sometimes the stories that start with, like, you know, so what do we want to say with the episode, right? And then from there, we get it in the room and we start tossing it around. That's where you get all the motherfuckers and shit, bitch, nigga and shit, and all this kind of, that's when you get, that's when we color it. <laughs> you know, that's when we really just, like, try to find, like, you know, the funniest scenes and scenarios we could put Richard in to tell that story. You know, so we, you know, the, the orphanage thing was, I mean, being that his mouth is the way it is, we just thought it'd be funny if you put him in, you put him in the, in, in, in you know, uh, in, in an environment with his kids there, and he's still being Richard, and he's talking to him about pussy and all that kind of stuff, and the kids are laughing. <laughs> it's funny because I was a kid, I was listening to that stuff. You know what I'm saying, like, like on the low, like you know, <laughs> on the low. <laughs> yeah, like I, I used to go to sleep. This is no lie, man. Every night, I remember I, from I don't know how old. I, I, as soon as I discovered Richard, I was in elementary school. But I, I remember I would listen to his tapes. I, 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 I snuck, because my mother had like his tapes and the albums and stuff. So I, I would sneak the tapes and I played them in a tape recorder under my pillow, like really low. 
I, you know, you know, back then, like you could you could program it so the tape will flip over and just keep flipping. Yeah. So I would play that shit like all night. So I wake up in the morning like programmed with Richard Pryor in my head <laughs> and go to school and, and just get in trouble all all day. Eddie Murphy did the same thing. He used to listen to his mom's Eddie uh, Richard Pryor records late night on low volume in the basement. Wow. Yeah. He talks. He talks wow. about that in Raw. Yeah, Richard is the rawest motherfucker in showbiz. Richard's the one that made me want to do comedy. When I was little, I wanted to be Richard Pryor so bad. I used to read, li- listen to sneaking. Remember, you sneak in the basement, put his albums on, and just listen. And your mother ain't supposed to hear it, so you listen, <clears throat> listening to shit. And I turned. It, I was. I wanted to be Richard so bad. I used to go out on stage when I was 15 and talk and act and walk and do everything like Richard Pryor. My mother would sit there and watch her little 15-year-old son on stage saying some outlandish shit. My whole act back then was about taking the shit because that's all I had done at 15. That was my life experience, but it sounded like Richard Pryor jokes. I'd be going, you ever like sometime, right? You get on that toilet, and when you shit, that water splash up on your ass. Don't that make you mad, right? This is Madcap, the anti-Black History Month episode with Carl Jones, creator and executive producer of Black Dynamite on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. We call this the Anti-Black History Month episode, not because we're white supremacists, there are other podcasts for that, but because we don't believe in confining black history to a single month. And we are not alone. Here are the thoughts of Morgan Freeman on 60 Minutes, Angela Davis and Talib Kweli on PBS's NewsHour, and Chris Rock from his special Bring the Pain. Black History Month you find ridiculous. Why? You're going to relegate my history to a month? Oh, come well, on. What do you do with yours? What, which month is white history month? <laughs> well, 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 come on. Tell me. Well, the, I'm Jewish. Okay. Which I'm month Jewish. is Jewish history month? Uh, there isn't one. Oh. Oh. Why not? Yeah. Do you want one? No, no. No. I, 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 I don't either. I don't want a black history month. Black history is American history. How are we going to get rid of racism? Stop talking about it. I'm going to stop calling you a white man. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you to stop calling me a black man. I know you as Mike Wallace. You know me as Morgan Freeman. I would like to think of Black History Month, not so much as the history of black people, but rather when when we reflect on, on the struggle for freedom. I'm personally not a... I'm not a fan of Black History Month. Black History Month is a way to help people to at least try to deal with it for a month. I'm down for thinking of African history or black history as part of a world history as opposed to it just being a month set aside for it. I think that that marginalizes, marginalizes it a bit. So I took a black history class. I gotta know this right, I'm black, right, right? I get a B just for showing up, right? Wrong, failed it. That's some sad shit. A black man fell in black history. That's sad. Because you know fat people don't fail cooking. That's paprika. Fell black history. Why? Because I didn't know shit about Africa. Because you know, you go to white schools, you learn Europe up their ass. Never learn shit about it. I still don't know shit about it. Only thing I know about Africa, it's far. Africa is far, far away. Africa's like a 35-hour flight. So you know that boat ride was real long. The boat ride's so long, there's still slaves on their way here. 
in school, all I knew was Martin Luther King. That's all I ever teach you in school about black people. Martin Luther King. That's my answer to everything. Martin Luther King. <laughs> now, what's the capital of Zaire? Martin Luther King. Uh, could you tell us the name of the woman that would not leave her seat on the bus? Ooh, that's hard. Are uh, you sure it was a woman? <laughs> oh, I got it. Martina Luther King. The thoughts of Morgan Freeman, Angela Davis, Talib Kweli, and Chris Rock on the dicey proposition of Black History Month. And now, we return to our conversation with Carl Jones, creator and executive producer of Black Dynamite on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. What are your thoughts on Black History Month? <laughs> My thoughts on Black History Month, I think it's, it's kind of funny, actually, that, that, you know, I mean, look, there's a bunch of slave, slavery movies out, right? Yeah. And, and, and you know, it, it's, it's funny how not only was we, you know, slavery happened and, they, and there was a lot of money that, let's just say, the establishment made off of slavery. And then 400 years later, they make movies about slavery and still make us pay for it and make money off slavery. <laughs> so it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it's all corporate interest, man. Like it's all, you know, I mean, it's just like any other holiday. You know, Black History Month rolls around and then all of a sudden you got all this Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and all of this stuff. is It's just, it's, it's all corporate, man. And, and, you know, it's unfortunate that, like, you would think, that the ball would at least start rolling, you know, the first time, like when, 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 when Black History Month was introduced, you would think, well, okay, maybe this is an opportunity for us to acknowledge how great black people are every month. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's, it's, it is kind of up to us, you know, but it, it's, it's uh, I don't know, it's, it's kind of, it's a weird thing, man, you yeah. know. And, that, and that's why it's, it's, it's I, I kind of got torn feelings about it because I understand it. I understand why like we might need it or how it could be helpful you know but it's the same way with the slavery movies it's like yeah these stories maybe some of these stories need to be told but it, but only if there's an equal amount of other black stories being told but you'll never find a story you know like like big hollywood when that's you know some of these like these big motion pictures the big slavery epics that they do the type of money they put in those movies you will rarely see put into a movie that just so happened to be about a character that is black instead of a movie that actually hinges on the fact that, the, that he was black and enslaved. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Does, uh, I want to know, does Cartoon Network do anything internally for Black History Month? <laughs> like any special emails <laughs> or any updates? Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that, that's funny. Um, nah, that, that would be hilarious, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but they did, I, I know they did, um, they did give us, uh, uh, like the the Martin Luther King, they gave everybody on Black Dynamite staff the Martin Luther King day off, which I thought was kind of interesting. <laughs> um, you know, um, but then, but then, I, that, but that was my initial thought. Then I later found out that that everybody got it, so I, I found it so so. All right. You know, all right. All right. I don't even know if I'd be offended by that any, anyway, like because I kind of understand, like you know, it's, I don't know. That's pretty funny. How do people perceive your usage of the N word on the show? Oddly enough, like, we don't even, I don't even know if people notice it, but, like, on Black Dynamite, we don't use it at all. I mean, well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to sneak a few of them in there. I'm just trying to sneak a couple niggas in this season. <laughs> but last, last season, we, we didn't use it at all. Boondocks, you know, yeah, we, we, we went pretty ham with it. But some people got a problem with it, and I understand. The way I look at it is this. It's a word, and we give power to it. 
and we take away power from it. And when it comes to black people, all through our lives, we've had to take a bad situation and make it good. We just the same niggas that will have no food in the cabinet, but take the, the empty oatmeal box, turn it upside down, and start playing music. You know what I'm saying? Like, to me, I see it as a very powerful thing where you could take something that negative and flip it and own it in a way where you actually transform the meaning of it into something that is endearing. Like, that, that's, that's powerful. Because it's not the word itself that is doing the damage, it's the intent behind it. The tone and the emotion and the energy behind the word when you're using it in a, in a derogatory way is a whole different thing than if you actually using it as a term of endearment. And, and that's why, you know, if, if the word could be hot dog, you know what I'm saying? If, if, if they called us hot dogs when we were in slavery, then niggas wouldn't even eat hot dogs because they called us hot dogs? Like, what, what does that even mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's just you know, but I, I understand where it comes from. And it's just that, you know, a lot of our people, they, you know, they still uh, are dealing with what I call post-traumatic slavery disorder. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're still, they're still coming out of that mentality where, you know, they 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 want to react to what what was what what took place and what happened without being able to like fully fully examine exactly what what's happening. You know what we're doing because we're not doing any damage. Like you know, should we do more damage with some of the content in the show than the word nigger? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's just like like what what's the name the the, the um uh, uh Paula Dean? Yeah. <laughs> like everybody got mad at Paula Dean for using the word nigger but her food killed more niggas than the word nigger nobody nobody had a problem with all the fucking fried chicken and and all the all the greasy pot roast and all that shit like nigger was cool with that you know what I'm saying but the moment she said nigger oh she's got to go (laughs) so uh is Paula Dean uh get a shout out in season two uh nah nah we ain't we ain't doing anything with Paula Dean man. But is there any cultural icon that you kind of just take a stab at that you could even that you can release this information about? Yeah yeah let me see um we did something with Mr Rogers <laughs> did something really funny with Mr Rogers and um rest in peace Bill Cosby <laughs> uh it's a real funny Bill Cosby episode is, um, is Bill gonna like it? I don't know, man. I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> okay. I, I seriously doubt it. Okay. You know? but, but but you know, but it, but it's not like like we just took. I mean, you know, we never just like take shots for the sake of taking shots. Like it's, it's you know, it's, there's a, there's a point behind it. You know what I'm saying? So you know, I, I, I but nah, he won't find it funny at all. Not at all. If you had to pick somebody to fight George Zimmerman in the celebrity fight, who would you like it to be? If I had to pick somebody to fight Zimmerman, who would it be? Hmm. That's a good question. I did think DMX was a pretty interesting choice. Yeah, yeah, DMX. This is the fucking shit I be talking about. Half rapping ass motherfuckers. You think it's a game? You think it's a fucking game? probably be interesting to see him fight maybe like maybe like the Black Panthers like all of them <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you mean like like uh, kind of like old kung fu movies where, where one one steps up and he fights him and then another one steps up and he fights him or do you mean like trying to just just a whole gang just rush him and he just try to fight him that way yeah just all at one time you know? <laughs> just all at one time just go ahead and get it over with let's <laughs> <laughs> hurry up and get, a, get this execution over with <laughs> Let's handle this. Sorry I had a fight in the middle of your Black Panther party. Don't call it a comeback. 
This is Madcap, the anti-Black History Month episode, and we're speaking with Carl Jones, creator and executive producer of Black Dynamite on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. To play us back in, here's Introducing Dynamite, featuring GQ from a tribute to Black Dynamite, the unofficial mixtape by Ninth Wonder's Jamla Army, produced by Fatin Horton. What part of the phrase, Black Dynamite ain't fucking with you honkies from the CIA no more, is it you honkies from the CIA don't understand? This isn't about the honkies, Black Dynamite. It's about the children. You know what, Dennis Flynn? I never told nobody this, but I used to be a children. Now I could lie to you and say I'm just going out for a pack of cigarettes. But the truth is, I'm leaving you to raise eight-year-old black dynamite by yourself. Now dig it while you can, because the light just turned motherfucking green. Bye, bitch. Dynamite, dynamite. Seat tilted, mind filtered, penny stiller. Riding like I'm trying to find Jimmy's killer. Look close, point blank, no gun smoke. Out of sync, I make it to where none float. Peeping out the windshield, pimp field. I'm in my fur, hibernating where the temps chill. Landmine, women blowing me up. Keeping up with my speed, no slowing me up. Funny as cream corn, I'm in my king form. Neighborhood trying to keep the streets clean form. Mama wanna converse, let me talk with ya. Lightning bolt never straight like an off picture. Fly nigga, so I put Mohawk in her. Nemesis trying to snake me like malt liquor. All they do is front like fog lights. Bad bitch, but I love how that dog bite. Let's talk about music. What is your present take on hip hop? And and what is what is music that you like including in Black Dynamite? Any personal uh, music favorites that have, I guess, stuck with you throughout your life? And all sorts of things like yeah. that. How do you use music? Well, I guess the, the first answer to your question is, uh, I think hip hop is in, a, um, it's in an interesting place right now. Like, I feel like we're kind of getting back to the honesty of the music and, and I think the variety, just because there's a bigger platform with the internet. Because I know a lot of people, like, they, they shit on, like, gangster rap and they say, you know, hip-hop died because of this, that, and the third. But I feel like it was cool when we had a variety because, the, you know, you had point of views from different groups of people from all over the world, so there were different entry points into the art form. Like, you know, so when you had N.W.A. saying, fuck the police, I came from an honest place. Fuck the police coming straight from the underground. A young nigga got it bad because I'm brown. And not the other color, so police think they have the authority to kill a minority. Fuck that shit because I ain't the one for a punk motherfucker with a badge and a gun to be beaten on. And thrown in jail, we can go toe to toe in the middle of a cell. Fucking with me because I'm a teenager with a little bit of gold and a pager. Searching my car, looking for the product, thinking every nigga is selling narcotics. They was living in a place where... You know, there's a lot of police brutality, and, and niggas had nothing. They, you know, their backs were against the wall, and they did whatever they do, had to do to survive. So if it was breaking the law, selling drugs, or whatever, it was, they were, they, you know, th- that translated in their music because it was real. You know what I'm saying? And it worked. Whereas, you know, you also had, like, on the East Coast, you had groups like Grand Nubian, who were like five percenters, and they were using that as a tool to teach people and, and raise consciousness. Nubian, a native or inhabitant of Nubia. 
Nubian. A member of one of the group of African tribes that formed a powerful empire between Egypt and Ethiopia from the 6th to 14th century. Nubian. Any of several languages spoken in the central and northern Sudan, and that's why we call ourselves Brand Nubian. As the midnight oil burns, our minds turn. Make a mistake and be fake and you will burn. We're here to teach, so you might as well learn that the three has the knowledge for what you learn. Brand Nubian. It was just a, a very good variety of different styles and different different voices and different point of views, I guess. And now, you know, I feel like we're kind of getting back to that because at one time it was the record labels and the radio stations pretty much control everything that you heard. And now, you know, there's so many other avenues to get music, you know, so it's starting to level out. So you can have an artist that actually, you know, you can break an artist online. Like, for example, Tyler, the creator, right? Yeah. Um, on Our Future, which I'm a big fan of Our Future. Like, the whole Our Future, Wolfgang, Kill em All, they used to skateboard, like, around the corner from my house. And I used to see him all the time when I was, you know, when I would go over to, like, Diamond Supply or whatever, be shopping. And, did you and call, did you call the cops on him? Did you call the cops on him? Hilarious. No, nah, I almost ran over him one time. Though. <laughs> was in the road. <laughs> I almost ran over but what I'm saying is they would play the music in all the stores, right? And one day I was like, yo, who is this? And, they were, and the guy in the store was like, it's the same kids that hang out here every day and got no nothing to do. You know, so I, I had talked to Tyler one time, and, you know, we I, I had some ideas and stuff I wanted to do with them. And literally, like, I, I'd say like two weeks later, he dropped Yonkers on the Internet, and just his whole life changed. In the blink of an eye. I'm an overachiever, so how about I start a team of leaders and pick up Stevie Wonder to be the wide receiver? Green paper, gold teeth, and pregnant gold retrievers, all I want. Fuck money, diamonds, and bitches don't need them. But where the fat ones at? I got something to feed them. It's some cooking books, the black kids never wanted to read them. Snap back, green chicks, chia fucking leaves. It's been a couple months and Tina still ain't perma fucking weave. Damn. But with Black Dynamite, it's it's a little bit different because the music, you know, a lot of the music that we use use is from the 70s or it's kind of got that 70s feel. But it's the same music that inspired a whole generation of hip hoppers like in the early 90s and and 80s. So to me, it still kind of comes back full circle because we're still using that same attitude and the same, some of the same tones and some of the same feeling that you get listening to that real, that good, that, you know, that hip hop that was taking place when, you know, all we have was record players and, and, and you know what I'm saying? Your mom's your mom's a record player. You had to rap over, you know, old 70s James Brown stuff. That is where all the samples came from anyway. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> so so you're saying that 2 Chains doesn't motivate you? 2 Chains and some of these other... Uh, Hilarious. <laughs> these other uh, <laughs> do, you have a, do, you, do you have a hip-hop guilty pleasure, one that you, a song that you know is ignorant as hell, but you, that you'll continue to play? Versace. Hip hop. That's a good question. Versace, Versace. But you know, it's funny, man. I, I, I just, I just, I just got turned on to that. And, um, Versace, Versace, Medusa head on me like I'm Illuminati. I, I, I know that you like it. Versace, my neck and my wrist is so sloppy. Versace, Versace, I love it. Versace, the top on my Audi. My plugger Junkati, he give me the dust and I know that they mighty. Shoes and shirt, Versace. Yo, bitch, one in on my pockets. She asked me why my drawers sealed. I told that bitch Versace. What else? I like listening to some of that stuff but for a different reason like because i think it's funny like i listen to the was the, the hannah montana hannah montana like that shit is hilarious <laughs> got bricks in the attic the hannah montana the molly go crazy got lizzie mcguire got lizzie lohan and i can't forget about katie i keep the white like the 80s i keep the white like on shady 
Put the white rims on the Mercedes. Young nigga feel like Pat Swayze. Hannah Montana, Hannah Montana, Hannah Montana. But I like listening to music like that just so that I can laugh. It's, I mean, it's you know, it's funny. Like, I, so I, I'll just, I'll play it sometimes just for that. It just make me feel good. All right, we can appreciate that. <laughs> what was the first album that you bought with your own money? Um, People's Instinctive Travels Through the Paths of Funk and Rhythm, Charcoal Quest. Love it. I remember that. I remember that to this day. Left my wallet in El Segundo. All, all of that, man. That was, I, I love, 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 love that album, man. That was a really, really special album to me. Okay, so guitarra. Okay, so um, let's start with this. What's, what's your name? Cutie. Uh, where were you going? Who were you going with? It's me, Alex. Left my wallet in El Segundo. Left my wallet in El Segundo. Left my wallet in El Segundo. I gotta get it. I got, got to get it. I left my wallet in El Segundo. Left my wallet in El Segundo. Left my wallet in El Segundo. I gotta get it. I got, got to get it. Did you see the documentary? Yeah, I did. I did. Crazy. A lot, of, a lot of beef going on with that group. So much beef. I hope, I hope they finally make that last album, but I don't think it'll ever happen. I, I hope so, man. I would love, I would love to see them get back together. Because like, you can't really have fight without Q-Tip and vice versa. You know what I'm saying? It just, it just doesn't really work. Like, I, I mean, you know, I mean, Q-Tip is dope. Don't get me wrong. And Fife is dope too. It's just, it's like the yin and the yang. It's like you gotta, you know, you gotta have both. It's, I don't know. They, they kind of had, had, had a really good natural rhythm together you, you know what I mean it's Batman and Robin yeah yeah exactly exactly we heard you mention Erica Badu how did working with Erica Badu come about you know it was kind of about kind of weird man like there's a guy that was one of the writers on our show this, this guy named Rick he, he also goes by Rigonia on Twitter um who's a, he's a nut man he's a real <laughs> funny guy but anyways he um he was on the set of uh what's it called uh Hollywood it's, it's a Hollywood Hollywood husbands, real husbands of Hollywood or something like that. Real husbands of Hollywood. He was on, he was on the set of Real Husbands of Hollywood, and Erica was actually um, she had a role on, on that show, and and uh, he got to talking to her and come to find out that she was a fan of the show, and so he had texted me like, "Yo, Erica likes the show, and and um, you know she's interested in possibly doing a role," and I was like, "Wow, like okay, like you you gotta ask me." You know, like, that's a, that's a no-brainer. And I was, you know, I mean, we already were, like, big fans of her music. So can I get a window seat? Don't want nobody next to me. I just want to take it out of town. To look around in the safe hotel. I didn't know was how funny she was. So when we got her in the booth, I mean, it, oh man, Wait, I mean, you, you'll see, man. Like, I mean, just it's magic, man. Like, she's really, really, really funny. Any, you know? any, any other uh, season two cameos that we can know about? Yeah, um, Mel B is is in the show. Um, Mel B from the you know? Spice Girls. Yeah, Mel B from the Spice Girls. <laughs> nice, and then, and then, nice pull. Yeah. Tyler the Creator. Okay. Um, we got Sean Kingston. Okay. Uh, Chance the Rapper. Sam Jackson. 
Ooh, what happened oh, here yeah, was a miracle, and I want you to fucking acknowledge it. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you know, we got it because we, we're doing this episode called um, Black Jaws Days In, and, and uh, he's, he's really funny, man. I mean, I mean, he's saying, man. All right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Dan and I would like to thank you, Carl, for taking the, for allocating this time and to talk with us. You have been more than gracious. Yeah, we appreciate it, Carl. Thank you. Yeah. No, anytime, man. Anytime. Carl Jones is the creator and executive producer of Black Dynamite on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. Season two will premiere this summer. You can find Carl Jones on Twitter at I am Carl Jones or visit adultswim.com slash black dynamite or his personal website. I am CarlJones.com. And now, we close today's show with my partner in crime, a man who puts the bling in enabling, and a man who has more than a few thoughts to get off his chest during this special month. Ladies and gentlemen, gather the children, take yourself a knee, and prepare yourselves for the words, nay, the fire, of David Michael Ross. It's been a long time since we've done one of these. All my life, I've been sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. The words of Fannie Lou Hamer. I'm sick too, very sick. Being that it's Black History Month, I figured that I'd selfishly take the time to present my list of grievances, whether they regard race or not. I don't want to reduce our people's history to a month, but I'm emotionally making use of these 28 days. Please be advised that not all these grievances have to do with black or the perception of black. To start things off lightly, I'm sick and tired of being broke. And when I say broke, I mean really broke. Not I only have a few grand in the bank broke. I mean broke. Like I have to slip into the bathroom and call my car to see how much is on my account broke. To see if I can afford this hoppy ass beer for this girl that I have no business wasting my time with. That's broke. Health insurance by the state broke. Do you have any fucking clue how expensive this medication is without health insurance? It ain't fun. I'm sick and tired of how expensive the city has become. So basically you're saying the only way I can get a one bedroom is by falling in love first. That's ludicrous. I'm sick and tired of never being settled. I'm sick and tired of being so damn moody and unable to work in the majority of the jobs offered in this town, a town that I really love. I'm sorry that I don't care about your government clients, sir. Don't bother me about your deliverables. Don't, seriously. If you come over to me and ask me about my billing code or acronymed client that the government probably should have taken the nod from Reagan and stopped funding in the first place, there is a slight chance I will respond quite psychotically. I'm also sick and tired of how flustered I get when I see these women in their jogging pants. It's an epidemic. They're everywhere. Some of these asses look sculpted. I cannot deal with it. I'm sick and tired of never having condoms on me. And I'm sick and tired of not pulling out in time. I'm also sick and tired of women not recognizing when my dick is flaccid. Seriously, darling, these thrusts you engineer are selfish at this point. We had our fun. It is over. Get the fuck off of me. You're hurting me. All right, we're not messing around anymore. 
I'm sick and tired of people not knowing anything about black people and not caring to. That's the most painful part. Let's start with the basic lesson. And for those who have already passed this intermediate stage of knowledge of black, I apologize. You can skip this section. Let's talk about skin. Our complexion is not the end-all be-all for complexions in the world. Our skin wasn't some kind of moral sentencing. We are capable of acquiring a tan. Even the darkest person you know has a different glow when placed in the sun for a prolonged period of time. Whether it be this little glow or even darkening, <gasps> we can tan. I already know I'm blowing some people's minds right now. I once almost didn't get into a bar because the bouncer asked why I was light-skinned in my ID photo. I explained the dichotomy to him. I had been outside that entire summer. No suntan lotion, straight baking. He wouldn't believe it. I had to show other forms of identification. I cursed his ass out afterward. Later grievances. I'm sick and tired of the police, law enforcement. I'm sick and tired of county law enforcement, actually. City doesn't bother me. They got real shit to deal with. I'm sick of being followed when I'm in the suburbs for random shit. Just because I didn't remember to remove my knit cap quick enough. Sorry, officer. I just went for a jog. It's cold as shit outside. I apologize for not removing my hat so you could be sure that I am not a Negro of threat. I'm sick of being asked if I have tattoos or these random ass series of questions that they come up with. I'm also sick and tired of how little I actually respect law enforcement and that one of these days, I'ma get beat the hell up. I'm sick and tired of being given the runaround by non-black women. What am I doing? What the fuck am I doing? Many of the black women I've been with are smart as hell, extremely beautiful, but here I am chasing these lackluster ass women. In no way would I have sex with their black equivalent. It wouldn't happen, but here I am putting up with nonsense I shouldn't have to put up with like they are some kind of golden beauty. And I'm sick and tired of the fact that this is nobody else's fault but my own. And lastly, I am sick and tired of this entire public radio world and whatever the hell this is and its lack of diversity. I've been thrust into a world where the only stories that really connect with programming executives are ones about homemade mustard made in some garage in Brooklyn by a bearded dude in a lumberjack button down. I don't want to disrespect my man's ability to make condiments, but this cannot be the only story out there. I'm sick and tired of people promoting diversity and then showing me their all-white staff. Damn, you can't even slide one Asian in there? Maybe it's not that people of color don't fit in, maybe the problem is that some of you are just too white. Let me be clear, if you don't have at least three people of color in your life that you confide in on a regular basis, then you need to freshen your personal relationships. I do take geography into account. If you are troubled by the lack of diversity in your personal relationships, then I have mercy on you. But if you do not, ain't searching, prefer not to, have a your good attitude, then you can kindly, gently, go fuck yourself. And that goes for all races. I'm sick and tired of your whack-ass existence. Peace. David Ross is a writer, a commentator, cultural critic, co-host, and co-founder of this very program, Madcap. He's been firing up the podcast game since January of 2012, and he's only getting started. We offer our special thanks to Carl Jones, to Monica, to Walter Newman, and the good people at Adult Swim for helping us arrange today's show. And a very special thank you to Marquise Goodwin for all the writing and research assistance. Madcap is produced by Daniel Bloom, David Ross, 
and Yefim Shapiro. MadcapDC.org, on Facebook and Twitter at MadcapDC.